Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you all on this Wednesday, January the 13th of 2021. And along with my brothers, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando, it is always a pleasure and an honor to be able to study the Word of God together, to fellowship, and that's what we're going to do. It's nothing better, there's nothing more important to do than to open the Word of God. And we thank you for taking out of your time, out of the day, to be able to fellowship fellowship with us. Yesterday, we, we, be, uh, we began a, a series on the book of Exodus, and, and truly all the things that we were able to glean from uh, 2020, more and more, it becomes more clear to us, was a triggering point meant, as Brother Marty said, to alert us that the coming of the Lord is at hand. And we are entering, we are entering, as, as you said yesterday, Brother Marty, a heavy season, right? We are entering a heavy season in this in this hour. And um, it's not like the way that the false prophets are saying, right? Uh, declaring a revival with pomp and better days are ahead of us. But we are entering a heavy season, a tumultuous time. But all of this, it has triggered and letting us know that our exodus is at hand, that the coming of Jesus Christ is very soon. And we praise God for that. So let us go into our study of the word today. We are excited about what God has for us. So Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we discuss and study the word of God together. Amen. We're picking up our series today on the book of Exodus uh, as we enter into the early days of 2021. The whole world finds itself in turmoil, and many things are being decided. Many things are moving in prophetic in-time direction, and much of that occurred, as we've talked about at length in 2020, setting the stage for where we are today. So we want to continue our study on the book of Exodus here, and as we get into it, uh, we pray the Lord continues to, to bless and enable us to speak about these things. <clears throat> I want to talk to you really in, in in this sense, you know, throughout history, really, especially biblical and prophetic history, every generation has had its purpose. But there is what the Bible calls, what the scripture calls, the fullness of time. These are specific moments in history that really define the times and and more specifically times that witness prophecy fulfilled. You know, the outflow of events from one generation to another, they all work in concert, whether you perceive it or not, in order to bring about the declared and revealed counsel and purpose of the Lord. Such was the case of the exodus of Israel, and so it is the case of the exodus of the end-time church. And really, that exodus is now underway it is beginning the recent events that we've all been watching across the world really in 2020 and and in these early days of 2021 they they're rapidly propelling this generation toward the culmination of all that the prophets of god have foretold to us so as we look into those things while many of the events of the past year and now in the early days of this year they engender a really a panoply of emotion and thought, 
you know, people react in different ways, right, to these things. But but we in the church, we do not draw our conclusions solely on our wide and varying opinions of the times, really. Our conclusions, the conclusions and the assessments of the child of God, they were drawn from the insights that we gain as we're guided by the precious Holy Spirit, whom the Lord told us would show us and would reveal to us things that are yet to unfold, things that are yet to come. And so we anchor our understanding to the sure and the unshakable, really, foundation of the word of Almighty God. Solo Scriptura, that's what the old timers used to say, the word of God only. That is our guide, as the psalmist said, the King David Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. As we discussed, you know, the first exodus was just that. You know, it was the first exodus, but there remains a second exodus. It is the exodus of the end-time church, made up of both Jew and Gentile. We need to understand that the first exodus was what I would call a a natural exodus, an exodus that can, you know, first you know, occurred in the natural realm, so to speak, uh, the deliverance of natural Israel from Pharaoh, from Egypt, and then they were brought to Mount Sinai. You know, subsequently also the second exodus, our exodus, will will be a spiritual exodus. It will be a deliverance of the end-time church from this world, and we too will be brought to Mount Zion, or Mount Sion, as Paul calls it in, in Hebrews. But Jeremy, I want to show something that Paul said there. If you could read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46, as we begin our study today of the Exodus. Amen. Go ahead, brother. How be it? That was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. So when we talk about the Exodus, the first Exodus as being a natural revelation of God's plan, we also then know by what Paul talked about that there is a yet a spiritual conclusion. It's a principle of God. He does the, the, the end from the beginning, really. What we see in the beginning is what will happen in the end. Paul goes on in that entire 15th chapter to describe to us the, the natural and then the spiritual. And, and many times people, you know, they, they, they kind of wrestle with the idea of the word spiritual. They, 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 you know, they imagine some ethereal, you know, mist, you know, of the spirit realm. But really, spiritual is a much higher place of dimensional reality, of consciousness within the confines and construct of God, where real cities exist, where real government exists, where real principality and power and structure exists. But in the in, in the context of how God is dealing with humanity and 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 so many other things that we ain't got time to get into today we must understand that the first exodus was just what Paul said. It was a natural expression, but there remains a spiritual exodus, and that's what we're going to look at today. Because understand that as the first exodus drew near, the Lord appeared to Moses 
and and what we want to see from this and and what we examine within how God dealt with Moses we're we're going to to learn some things as to what we have to expect now as we talked about yesterday we'll talk about again today as we get deeper into it and again in Jesus name open your bibles to to Exodus chapter 3 we're going to begin with verse uh number 5 Let, let's start there brother Jeremy number 5 and he said draw not nigh hither Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Place where you're standing is holy ground. Well, that's what we're going to come to. But again, we want to do a little review here. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 2, could you read that, Brother Jeremy? What, How God interjects into Moses' life is very much what's happening right now. We pick up Moses' story in, in chapter 3 where Moses is on the backside of the desert. It's really reflective of the end-time church's condition. That's where Moses led the flock in, in, a, in a time of, uh, of a wilderness sort of experience. The children of Israel find themselves in a tribulation-like condition, which God goes on to reveal. These are parallels. These are allegories for our time. Paul, as we looked at yesterday, told us we need to study these stories, these historical accounts, in order to have a key given to us to understand what it will be like now that we find ourselves, as Paul termed it, upon whom the ends of the world have come. So in Revelation, I mean, excuse me, in Exodus chapter 2, uh, the Lord appears to Moses in this way. Could you read verse 2, Brother Jeremy? Uh, verse 2 of chapter 3? Correct. Okay. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. The first thing that we see here and what we are are experiencing now, we see that as the the Lord had him, you know, had this story uh, recorded, that it's a specific revelation. The Lord appeared unto him. He represents, in our time, many of the people of God who are having a particular kind of encounter with the Lord right now, up under the events that we're experiencing. These are prophetic times, prophetic events. The Lord appears to him. These are specific uh, words used to draw our attention to the fact that God is speaking to specific people. And as we go on into this, we'll see who those people are going to be and who they are. They're all somewhere in the next few verses here finding themselves in the process of what the Holy Spirit is doing right now, even as all hell is breaking loose around the world. Just as it was in, in the days of the first Exodus, so it is now. We need to understand before the exodus occurred, that is the actual deliverance of the children of Israel out of Egypt, the Lord began to reveal what was coming to his servant Moses. And how he revealed himself in verse 2 is very unique. So the first thing that we understand is that when the specific time arrives, revelation is going to be given, which is what we believe is happening now. And, and revela just as revelation was given to Moses. How he revealed himself is in this bush, right? 
and, and we talked about this yesterday. This is the particular bush. It's the bramble bush. It's a thorny bush, right? It's really representative of a type of the cross. And we talked about the differences between the bush that Moses saw and the ram in the bush that Abraham saw. Abraham's ram was caught in a bush. So our attention in the scripture is drawn to a bush first with a sacrifice caught within it. It is that sacrifice that Abraham offered, the type of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when the time of the deliverance of the people of God came, Moses also has his attention drawn to a bush, but it's not a bush with a ram caught in the thicket of it. It is the angel of the Lord in a flame of fire. Abraham's bush represented Calvary, the sacrifice. But when the time of of Moses' bush, so to speak, arrives the time of the Exodus, God reveals something different. First thing what we're going to learn and what we're going to understand is that <clears throat> is that Calvary had two aspects to it, or should I say, um, the result of Calvary is twofold. And, and by no means can we exhaust this, but the first result of Calvary was the redemption of God's children by the sacrifice of, of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that's what Abraham had actually revealed to him in the ram caught in, in, in the bush, was that his son Isaac, who was going to be offered, actually his hand was stayed and the ram became the atoning sacrifice or the redeemer of Isaac as the Lord was our redeemer a substitutionary sacrifice, in other words, representing the great sacrifice of the only begotten Son of the Lord. That is the first time we see a bush in play here, <laughs> because the bush represents or the thicket, the thorny bush, it represents the cross. That is That is what God was revealing way back when, was that the cross would come first. But then, as he revealed to Abraham, and, and, and also as we know the story, um, out of this, a, a whole generation would, would be built. You have Isaac, and then you have Jacob, and then you have the 12 tribes of Israel. You have them growing into a great nation. You have a type of Christ, Joseph, going into Egypt. And then you have the church of, of God of that day, represented by Israel, coming there, prospering, but then ultimately, uh, being brought into into a heavy burden and taskmaster and and burdens of, of work and so forth and so forth. And, and, it, and it becomes an incredible picture for us of what the Bible calls the tribulation period. Just as Israel went through tribulation in Egypt, so the church goes through tribulation just prior to their deliverance. It's, while the church has experienced so many um, events and, 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 and times of persecution, as well as Israel, down through the ages, there yet remains a deliverance for the church as a whole, made up of Jew and Gentile. And so when we see this picture of, of, of a bush on fire but not consumed, what is actually being revealed to us, just as it was revealed to Moses, it reveals that Calvary has two aspects to it. First, the sacrifice, but then the second coming, the return of the Lord, if you will. 
He returns in this bush as a flame of fire, the, the angel of the Lord. He's described. Moses saw him in his pre-incarnate state. The word angel literally means malek, malak, or malak, which is a, a word that the Hebrews use for, for king. So the king appeared. That is the son of the living God before he became Jesus Christ in the flesh. He has always been. You have the Lord the angel of the Lord or the king of the Lord and the flame of fire all present in the bush, the voice of the Lord, all three, Elohim, God manifested in this way. And what he was revealing was that <clears throat> he's a, he goes on to reveal, I'm about to, to deliver my people. But he first appears to Moses in this way. Moses is given a revelation and, he, and he's shown this, right? He sees the angel of the Lord. He sees the flame of the Lord in the father now why this is important to us is because much as moses saw this so the lord is revealing himself right now in the very same way to those who can see it see the purpose of the vision was to unfold what the time the prophetic time of the exodus was now at hand and so Having begun the process of revealing the prophetic time to Moses, the Lord now begins the process of preparing Moses. He first begins to, he, he bursts into his reality, right? I mean, he just, here I am. I mean, Moses finds himself tending the flocks on the backside of the desert. The condition of the church at the end time will be such. A wilderness of this world is upon us. The children of God are being moved quickly. All over the world it's been happening, but it's finally come to the shores of this nation, something that many of the people are not prepared for. Much like the children of Israel, before uh, the new Pharaoh or the transition of government experienced great freedom, great blessing in the land of Egypt, so the church in the, in the West, and particularly now in the United States, has experienced such great prosperity, such great blessing. But then what we were told in Exodus chapter 1 was that a new king came to power, a new pharaoh, the spirit of Antichrist that knows not Joseph or that knows not the Lord. And the first thing that the, that this new king does is he, he moves to identify the people of God as enemies of the state. That's what we see happening right now, enemies of the state. They're trying to, to curtail everything that you've known as far as freedom. They're trying to uh, become thought police of what you think, what you say, where you go, what you do. Immediately when a new uh, power arose, which is much of, of what we're seeing right now in this transition period in the United States and really across the world, there is in effect a new king. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy, in chapter 1, verse 8 again? Yes. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. So you have a governmental structure uh, transitioning into a new administration, if you will, in Egypt. And this is a people who know not Joseph, who's a type of Christ. That's the first thing that's identified in the book of Exodus. It sets the tone if you have eyes to see and you're a diligent seeker of God, you know what's being revealed here is that there will come a time in the future when you see the transition across the globe, because that's what Egypt really represents, the whole world at the end of time. 
that knows not Joseph nor acknowledges his authority or his or or the reason for which I would say the West and the whole world has been blessed. You have a transition of of spiritual rulership or rulership in the spirit that is demonic because what it instantly does is it turns its direction and identifies the people of God as the enemy. Just like the book of Revelation says will happen in its fullness, the final 42 months of human history that is just ahead of us in the, in the ensuing years. We are entering into the tribulation period, you mark my words. If things continue to unfold as we're witnessing them right now in our time, then we are entering into the tribulation period not too many days from now. What we have seen in the story of the Exodus is first there's a transition of power and that spirit begins to identify enemies of the state. And those enemies of the state are particularly directed as, or identified as being the people of God. Read to us verse 9, Brother Jeremy, so we can prove that. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. They're afraid of them. They're a large group of people. And listen to what he says in verse 10. It sounds just like what they're saying today. Listen to this. Go ahead, verse 10. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us and so get them up out of the land. So what we see is this is a politically uh, motivated decision, but it's the spirit of Antichrist. It's not the full representation of Antichrist. That's about to come. That's what the next pharaoh represents. But this is a preparation for that pharaoh to take the throne that will have a direct conflict with the Lord God Almighty and his servant Moses, right? I mean, that's what's coming, and that's what Exodus teaches us. But what we have to look for then, if we're entering into these days, and the second and final exodus that we're talking about, is the same spirit moving across the planet. In this case, it was the geographical territory of Egypt, but Egypt represents the whole world. Now listen, what they do is is you have a transition of power, and, and what ends up happening is that power is devoid of of Joseph, devoid of Christ, really, and his influences. But you have him coming to power with an already well-established people, blessed, prosperous, and, and a multitude. And, and, and they're more, so to speak, and mightier than, than the ruling elite, in this case, the new king. But what he decides to do is satanically inspired. He says, we're going to have to deal wisely with them because uh, lest they grow in influence, multiply. And that, uh, and then he talks about any kind of war or conflict. Listen to what he says. They join with our enemies. So they're afraid of alliances being made that would destabilize their power. And they talk about something interesting here, talking about fighting against their agenda, fighting against us, right? And so get them up out of the land. What does he mean by that? How does that apply to today? In other words, this could spill out over and outside our borders. And and not only will what they are right now, uh, which is a formidable force, become a threat to us, 
which we have to deal with now. We got to destabilize this group, right? This is what they say. This is what the new king is saying, and that's what they're saying now. And what he was worried about is that they would leave the land or, in essence, become an influence to the nations around it. What we are witnessing in our time right now, brothers and sisters, is a move by the spirit of Antichrist to shut down all opposition. And its greatest fear is that this this groundswell of the people, the blessed people, which really is the church of the living God, it will it will it will light a fire of a desire for liberty and freedom around the world. It has become a multiplied prosperous threat to the spirit of Antichrist. And so when the transition takes place, where we've now reached a type and a shadow, if you will, of a world led by political figures that have that are completely godless, they know not Joseph, so to speak, they immediately turn their attention to take us out, to put us under incredible draconian, we call it today, burdens to prevent us from multiplying and to stop and to quell uh, this movement toward freedom, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, uh, you know, spreading around the world. That's what we see right now. But, and Brother so, Marty, ahead, and, yeah. and uh, I mean, I'm thinking as you speak and, and what, what we're comparing the days of the Exodus to what's taking place in America, if you have ears to hear and eyes to see, exactly what's taking place but it doesn't line up with much of today's uh prophetic interpretation of the last days because what we're <laughs> what we're saying what we're saying is that there is an affliction coming that's yeah it's already here it's right? here and we have to understand that that was what was prophesied to abraham yes. concerning uh the the children of israel uh in egypt they would be afflicted for 400 years Right, and he saw the 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 burning lamp, right, and, and yes. he saw this prophetic event that just brought a dread to him, right. So so it, it was not something that they could bypass. It was already prophesied, Precisely. right. And and so it, it was a prophecy being fulfilled, whether they realized it or not, whether they wanted to or not, to ultimately bring about. Um, you know, a, a deliverance and the deliverer type, uh, Moses, the type of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that's what, that's what we're seeing in type and shadow. And that's what we're telling yeah. the people that is coming. And, and, and the reason people get very uncomfortable with this is because that's not what we've been taught in, in our modern day theology concerning end times, because, uh, you know, there's, there's been this, this, this idea that we're going to escape all these things. So before anything terrible judgments come uh to the land we're going to be raptured or taken away yeah how much of that how much of that idea or uh, or uh, has come because of the position that we find ourselves of prosperity and freedom yes so so we've we've conjured up these 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 theologies these doctrines of escapism due to the fact that we find ourselves you know, seeing things from a position of freedom that is now being taken away. Yes, that, that's precisely right. right. And, 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 and that has a lot to do with how we've come to our, you know, really when it when it gets down to it, you know, we're we're entitled in many ways and 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 and, and really boastful, 
you know, arrogant in our in our in our doctrinal views of scripture concerning the end times. Because mm-hmm. we have this freedom, because we have this prosperity, but the truth of the matter is that's about to be taken away. Just look yeah. at exactly what's happening. Turn on your television, turn on the news. Some of you don't even want to turn that on anymore. Right. Because right. you know what's coming. So you are being forced to look back, right, to yeah. to to the prophecies and the and what the prophets spoke of old concerning our day, just like it was revealed to Abraham concerning the uh um his seed and where they would find themselves in, in mm-hmm. Egypt in, in this Exodus that we're talking about. And what we're doing is looking back to scripture to what the men of God told us, what Paul said concerning how we should approach the story of the Exodus, that it was a drama or or something that was that was pointing to what would take place at the end of time. Right. So we have to allow the scripture to tell us where we're going and stop trying to mm-hmm. let our theology or our way of seeing end times, prophetic events, to, to change what scripture is saying, because it's not going to happen. That's precisely right. Yeah. And, and that's, what we're, that's what we see happening right now. And that is the flashpoint, the trigger point, the identifying mark. You know, what we're talking about is something that, like you said, Brother Fernando, has not been taught in our American churches and really across the West. You know, a prevailing idea uh, emerges, especially amongst prosperous people, as uh, that, that ends up becoming something that makes them the center of the universe. You know, the American church has thought it is the church. It is not the church. It is a aspect of the church. But it's not the church in total, as they say. There is a massive group of of, of believers of in the Lord Jesus Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, all over the world. And for the better part of the last, especially 80 to 100 years, that church has been up under heavy persecution. And, it, and, and particularly over the last 40, 50 years in China, for example, maybe even a little longer, but really in earnest now, China, Africa, the Middle East, you know, and, and these places, our brothers and sisters have suffered and have been martyred for their faith. Families have been broken apart. Children have been taken away from parents into re-education camps. Parents have been thrown into concentration camps, uh, as we call them, uh, you know, the, the like today. Uh, the Uyghur people, for example, just for having a particular different bent on on their quote unquote spirituality, over one million of them right now are up under uh, concentration camps and re-education camps in China itself, and the whole world is silent about it. Our churches are being burned, our brothers are being killed, our Bibles are being burned, our pastors are being jailed, our 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 our, our women of God are finding themselves widows. And our and our and the children of of, of those marriages uh, are now orphans, and yet we in the arrogant West, particularly the Laodicean American Church, sits here and proclaims a message of easy escapism, totally ignoring the historical narrative of Scripture down through the ages, totally devoid of understanding what the prophets have warned us and warned us and warned us about, up to the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, who told us. That, that great tribulation would come, that iniquity would, would bound, that daughters would turn against mothers, brothers against brothers, 
fathers against sons, on and on and on. He goes down the list. And, and, and so for us to sit here in our ivory tower and, and presuppose that we're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, we have only proved what the Lord said, that when it reached this time, he would find a church that he's standing on the outside of the door having to knock because they've literally pushed him out. He doesn't even exist within the confines of that prosperous church anymore. They have no idea who he is. He's not even an invited guest anymore. And so what is now coming on the United States of America is the culmination of decades of the 20th century and now well into the 21st century of neglect and apathy and an attitude of, of slumber as it pertains to the rest of our brothers and sisters around the world who have been up under this encroaching tribulation period where we now find ourselves right on the very doorstep of it. And as an act of judgment, which has been foretold by the prophets throughout the 20th century, warning the church in this country that it would come, it is now here. And yet they can't see it, many. But God is reaching to a Moses-like generation, if you will. He is revealing himself, is what we've been talking about in verse 2. In this way, Calvary has come, but there remaineth a flame and a fire and the angel of the Lord in the bush, if you will. It is, speaks both of deliverance and judgment that's coming. He speaks to us from the second aspect of Calvary. That's why he appears in the bush. <laughs> and so, and so and having yeah, begun... That, that, to... that, 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 fits, that fits exactly what we're seeing now. You're seeing what we call the West, the free West, right? Canada, America, Europe, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and you go down the list, you know, the, what's the free world today? You are seeing the free world being judged by God yes. mm -hmm. because of the freedoms it was afforded and what they did with them and the laws they passed, the millions of children that they killed in the womb. This is the side of the cross that we're beginning to see. And this is just the beginning of it, because what yeah. ultimately the cross is about is, is the wrath of God poured out. Yeah. 2,000 right. years ago, it was poured out on his son for us, so we don't have to go yeah. through it. But what we are seeing is the systematic judgment of the planet, of these nations, that will ultimately lead to the wrath of God. But before that happens, we have a promise that that we will be uh, take, taken away. There's an exodus coming, right? So yeah. it's so important to understand these two, two sides. You called it the two sides of the cross. Yeah. Right? And, and again, this, this gives us greater insight into what is contained in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and ascension. Yeah. But also, it gives us a picture into what 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 the cross affords the Son, yes. and what power is given to him because he was the supreme sacrifice. That is to save, but also to judge. Right, and that's that's exactly what Moses is seeing in the burning bush by the angel of the Lord speaking to him. Yes, and it's yeah. meant to be that that understanding of what is just ahead of us, right? So. And we have to, like you said, the Apostle Paul told us, go back and look at these things upon whom the ends of the world has come. You're going to see some things. You're going to garner some understanding. 
And so having begun the process of revealing the prophetic time, that's what he does. He alerts Moses by, think about this, by bursting into his reality. He's going about his business. He's been, he's been up under a 40-year wilderness experience. He's kind of settled into his life. You know what I'm saying? And suddenly, uh, God hits him and, and approaches him and, and bursts into his life and shows him something. He awakens him. He begins the process of preparing him by that initial uh, bursting into the, <laughs> into the bush, right? And we learn from Moses, in essence, and how God dealt with Moses, exactly how the Lord is going to deal with and has begun to deal with us now. You were going to say, Brother Jeremy? Yeah. Um, what do you guys think, too? I think as as this was going along, this new king that arose that did not know the God of Joseph, the people of Israel, more specifically the leadership, began to see all these draconian laws being made against them. And it seems like what this leadership did is that they began to align themselves with them. And it seems, and they became, in essence, like a, a the voice of the of, of the people of Israel. But you have to ask yourself, was it that was was it that they cared about the people or about their positions and their wealth and their prosperity? Because I see the same thing happening uh, in this hour. You know, all these you know ministers and prophets are telling us to go and fight and sue, and we got to stand up. Is it because they really care for the people? You have to ask that question. Or are they trying to keep their businesses, their ministries afloat? And so, you know, uh, that's, that's the other thing that, was, that, was, that I believe was happening too, is that many of the leadership of Israel began to align themselves with Egypt. And we see a type when Moses comes into the picture and they began to say, hey, you're making a Pharaoh's heart harder against us. What are you doing? Opening your mouth. So that's another aspect that I see, brothers. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. That's a, that's part of the process of the deliverance, uh, or the, which will culminate with the deliverance of the people of God. And <clears throat> we are seeing the same thing, because that's exactly what ended up happening. The elite became the subservient oracles of established yeah. state religion, if you want to put it that way. They became the taskmasters. They became uh, the wealthy amongst the tribes, the heads. But there's also the contingent of the elders and so forth and so on, which we'll get into in the coming days, Lord, Lord willing. But, but right now what is happening in the positioning, which has really been taking place for multiple decades now, you know, we saw it when the pandemic and the lockdowns began in 2020, the absolute absurdity of the multiple national religious establishment across the airwaves uh, they, what's the first thing they began to do? They began to take up offerings and milk the people precisely when the people were out of their jobs. Uh, the the mm-hmm. factories were shut. Uh, you know, you couldn't go work in your own business. And it's still much like that today across the land. There's pockets where people are, you know, milling about. But I mean, by and large, all across the world, people are, are, are losing their livelihood. And what do we see? We see preachers uh, milking the people even now. It's it's incredible. But let's move on here because I want to look at this real quick. Uh, 
so the first thing is is a bursting into Moses's life and and a and a particular way which God reveals himself to Moses is to begin to set uh the process of the Holy Spirit uh, of turning the man of God toward the purpose of God for the time. And that is what has been happening for many people. Whether we've really understood it or not, the initial shock of 2020 and now, you know, in the early days of 2021 is designed and allowed by God to to bring about a particular direction for the world, which is a prophetic direction that will culminate with the seeding of that wicked one, that son of perdition, much like Pharaoh. But also it works to begin the preparation process for his servants. Because what's going to happen with Moses when God is completing uh, his manifestation to him, his working on him, and all the other qualities that have already transpired in Moses, uh, he's going to reveal to him a message. The, the exact message that needs to be brought up just prior to the deliverance. But that's for another day, a little bit ahead of us, but I'm setting the tone, right? So he first reveals to him uh, what's coming. You know, the, the second aspect of the cross of evil. Number three is verse three. Can you read verse three, Brother Jeremy? Verse three. <clears throat> And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. So here we see the prompting of the Holy Spirit and then the response of Moses. There's three things here, three things that we can learn from. The first thing is the, is the act of the will, right? Uh, he says, I will turn, that's one, mm -hmm. to see. Uh, the great sight, that's two, and then why the bush isn't burnt. There's three things that he says to himself, and these are the the uh, the working of the spirit upon the soul and the spirit of his servant, of his people. See, the, the turning aside is an act of the will. It's It's the choice. See? Now, God may have revealed himself to you in a completely unexpected way over these last months. But the question is, will you have a cavalier attitude to it? Will you have a, a repulsion from it? Or will you turn aside for a closer inspection, right, to see? So there's choice, and then there's close inspection, but something particularly profound is what Moses says, what I am going to turn myself to, you must choose this path. You really don't have an option, but, you know, that's up to you. But Moses teaches us he chose to separate himself, to turn aside to this that is being revealed, and then to see what? To see the great sight. Really, the great sight is, if you dig into all the words, what he's talking about is the Shekinah glory of God. The glory of God is here. And he wants to see that, and that gives way to why. 
what the why is 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 representative of that deep reflection and meditation in the things of God. All three are necessary: a, a separation, turning aside, a a a, a a a move toward closer inspection. That's what we do when we come into the Word. We have set ourselves aside because God has revealed Himself to us in a flame of fire. That's what 2020 was all about. Now we're turning and have been turning so that we can see the glory of the Lord in this. And that gives way to the why of it. This represents the meditative process, the seeking of God. And, and, and understand this is not something that happens quickly. This is, this is a, a, a stationary place of reflection, the why. These three things are necessary, a turning aside, a seeing and a contemplation all must be present to further us along because once these things are in place the the the, the next thing happens verse 4 can you read that brother Jeremy? verse 4 and when the lord saw that he turned aside to see god called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said moses moses and he said here am I. Incredible. Let's, let's just break this down real quick. Understand that the Lord is is watching how we react in these times. The Exodus is at hand, brothers and sisters, for our time. It's coming. But there's also something that's been taking place in this desert wilderness landscape. God is calling to his people. Moses representing a, a, a whole amount of people embodied in Moses, if you can receive it and see it. This is what he's saying. So when he sees the three components activated in our life, the turning aside, the act of the will, right? The closer inspection, and then the, the meditation, which really speaks of the why. You know, the why is the bush not consumed, is representative of that close, intimate pursuit of God. This is something that we, modern society is almost incapable of doing anymore. Everybody gets all their information. You've got a lot of uh, Google theologians, YouTube scholars, right? But you have very few that have practiced the art of turning, of seeing, and of meditating. That is where, when that is in place, that's what God is looking for. Because the Bible tells us in verse 4, when the Lord sees that what he turned aside to see then god calls god called him and this is representative mm -hmm. of god calling a specific group of people right now and and listen he calls him from the midst of the bush listen to what i'm about to tell you the call of god and the voice of god is from the midst of the bush, from the midst of the revelation that he's given to Moses. It's a specific revelation he's about to receive, and it's all about the deliverance of, of the children of God. And so what we're saying is that there is no other place right now that we will right now hear the voice of the Lord. The true voice of the Lord is going to be found in the bush that's not consumed and 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 it's going to be 
remember this. Moses had to turn aside. Moses had to see, and Moses had to contemplate, ask why. Once those were in place, then God sees that he now calls to him. He now is able to hear the voice of God. Not until then. And and this is why so many don't have answers right now. They haven't allowed... And Brother them. Marty. Go ahead. It's a powerful thing you're saying there. And the, the I will part. And, and that's really the what the the cross requires if any man will right uh we're talking yeah. about the two aspects of the cross uh the, the true surrender of of one's will the 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 uh exerting of <laughs> that that energy to turn away from something but how much of today's doctrines you know is is meant to tell the the believer that you don't have to do anything it's already done right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and that's why a lot of people who who are who are taking up these kind of doctrines and believing them, they don't have the spiritual whereabouts or discernment, mm-hmm. or even the 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 foundation to even have that kind of deep meditation and question as to what is taking place. Right? Why is the uh, the bliss not consumed? Well, you know, he says, "I will." I will, he yes. says. I'm going to turn and see what's what's happening over here, right? And so we have a beautiful, beautiful um, here, uh, 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 you know, we see different points in, in how it begins in, 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 in Moses' life, but it's also what it's going to take in our lives. Are we really yes. in this kind of deep meditation and contemplation asking questions as to what is really taking place not around the world, but really, what is God up to? Right. What is God? Right? Everybody wants to know. Everybody wants to know what is going on around the world. You know, the 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 left or the right, and this and that. But nobody is asking what is God up to. Right. And that's what that's what Moses is about to find out. But again, it starts with the will. Right. He says, "I will." Yes. And, and, and to, to make that kind of statement today, it is so difficult, brother. Mm-hmm. So difficult, especially if you've been following these false preachers, been under strange and false doctrines. Mm-hmm. That means you're going to have to leave everything you've ever learned in Egypt. Yes. Mm-hmm. To turn That's to this common. burning bush that is not consumed. Yes. And again, to reiterate, that's excellent, uh, you know, uh, analysis there. That's exactly right. And again, to reiterate this, it says the Lord saw. You know, that is what he's doing right now. The spirit of the Lord goeth to and fro throughout the earth, seeking, right? Seeking those who obey him, seeking those that are calling to him. And and he found this in the embodiment of Moses. We see the whole uh, of of the end time generation that will be accosted by God. See, God first revealed Himself into in a way that triggered a response from Moses, like you were just saying, brother 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 Fernando. The act of the will that that begins to separate the pretenders from the truth, the true believer. Exactly. Moses had. Right, I will turn aside. I if I have to 
separate myself from everything, if I have to cut off some things, if there's anything, notice what he did. He left the flock, you know, his father's property. You know, he was willing to lose every sheep. I mean, you know, we can dig into that, right? But I mean, just think of it. It 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 it, it represents a, an act of the will, of 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 a turning toward what God is moving him to pay attention to. See, the Spirit is always speaking, but if you read Revelation chapter one and two, when he gets into the seven churches of, of Asia. He always concludes it with, with uh, uh, you know, if any man has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. He's always speaking. But the question is, do you have an ear to hear? Will you turn aside? And this is what God is searching for right now. He needs, like Uncle Sam, right? You know, I need you, right? I mean, God is calling his servants. God is revealing yeah. to his servants. And, and 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 understand when he sees this, the Lord is watching, right? When the Lord sees, verse four, that that you'll turn aside to see. That is when Elohim, right? God calls to him. So we have to understand, you are not going to hear the voice of God if you refuse to receive how God is revealing to himself himself to us right now. And what he's saying to us right now. In all that's transpiring around us. We are witnessing a burning bush right now. Whether you realize it or not. The question is. Are you going to turn aside? Are you going to expect? And are you going to go to the next level? And be that that person of intimacy? Because if not. Let me tell you something. You don't have a choice here. Because I hate to drop this on you. In such a brutal way. But the book of Revelation tells us that the tribulation period and the great tribulation period will be defined by two things. One, the children of the world, and two, those who have their names written in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world. There will no longer be a gray area. You're one camp or the other. There is no in-between. What is upon us is so horrific that it's going to be delineated in those two camps. And the one camp, like Pharaoh, is going to make war with the saints and overcome them. Some will endure to the end. Some won't. Either way, we're in glory. But to to refuse to turn aside and see and ask why is to nullify your ability to stand up underneath the fuller revelation of it as it manifests itself in the natural God called him. He's calling a specific group, but he calls him from the midst of the bush, from this revelation. And there is no other place we will now hear the voice of the Lord. You must understand this. You won't hear his voice if you're just going to go back to business, religious business as usual, singing your crazy songs and, and preaching your, your, your uh, <laughs> you know, your hyper you know, positive messages. You're not going to hear God in that. That's not what he's saying. He's not going to call to you from there. But he will call to you from this burning bush and reveal to you the exodus is coming. If you want to hear the Lord's voice in our times, you must turn aside to see his presence in deep reflection. That's what Moses did. Remember, the voice of the Lord is in the revelation. 
in the presence revealed. That's where his voice is. What does he tell them? He calls to him. He calls and says this, Moses, Moses. Right? Here we have two hidden exoduses. That's what's being revealed here in another aspect of understanding at deeper levels here. He called him twice. Because one represents the beginning, one represents the end. One represents the drawn-out people of the Lord in the first exodus. One represents the drawn-out people of the second exodus. What were you going to say, Brother Fernando? No, I was just agreeing with that. That's exactly what it is. Um, Mm. One one is in his present time, in his day, and one is in our day. There's a reason yeah. why he said his name twice. Correct. I believe so. And now, now he, he calls him specifically. God is calling you specifically out there who are listening. He's calling you by name. Yeah. And And the question is, will you respond? Will I respond as Moses did? It's not even enough to hear the call. Moses responded and said, here am I. He made himself available to the Lord, as we must now in these crucial times. This isn't optional. The message must go forth. But now he's hearing the voice of the Lord. Many of you are hearing God, God's voice, and you're sensing him moving in your heart now. He's calling you. That's what's happening. The spirit of Elijah has been prophesied to come upon an end-time generation of believers. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your old men are involved. His handmaidens and his servants, all this is involved in what's happening right now. I could at length tell you uh, certain stories I've heard over the last several months about people that are having manifestations of God, telling telling people, warning them in their dreams, showing them what's coming. On and on and on. He's revealing. He's speaking. But only those who who turn aside to see what he's revealing will hear his voice. If you don't, you'll be clueless. You'll go off into the dustbin of of the basements of the church (laughs) where there's nothing there, man. I mean, there's nothing happening. And you'll just go off into a religious exercise and you'll fall away from that eventually. But God is calling. And and Moses makes himself available. And that brings us to verse 5, where we started. So, Jeremy, can you read verse 5 to us? And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. This is incredible. And there's so much here, and and we'll just dig into it a little bit here. But once he calls him, identifies him, and Moses makes himself available, God's grace is revealed right here, by the way. His grace is revealed. The Lord has drawn him to himself. And Moses has entered into a profound new level understand this all of this up until this point is proactive in other words it's the lord himself 
bursting into Moses' life. And 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 he's taking the lead in in changing Moses at this point, as he's doing with all of us. But now the Lord protects Moses. Now here is going to require some some grown up thinking here. He draws Moses and then he stops Moses. Very interesting. Right? What we see here. And so we have to dig in here so that we can understand how to govern ourselves in these times. It is God protecting Moses and reveals what's going to happen now. At this point, he basically is telling him, you can't come any closer until what? What did he tell him? Until you put off your shoes from your feet because the place that you're standing on, right? He enters, <laughs> it's holy ground, he tells him, right? But listen, he enters the place by the Lord's leading him to that place. But once the call is made, once we hear his voice calling to us, it becomes holy ground. But Moses didn't realize it yet. He has been lured into the holy place of God in the call, in the revelation. And what is that revelation? That the people are about to be delivered. They're up under heavy tribulation. That's what's coming. But the people are going to be delivered. Moses is getting this information a year before it would even happen. And in many ways, that's what's happening now. There are those that are hearing the voice of God and what he's saying, that, 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 that great trial, great tribulation, great intensity is upon us. But also, it's a precursor to the ultimate event. I've come down to deliver them. And you're going to need to go tell them that. But first, Moses is drawn to the place he hears the voice of God after turning aside to see and asking questions of why. He then makes himself available to God. And God stops him from coming any closer. Very interesting. Why? He had entered into the very holy presence of God in the making of the availability of himself to God and hearing God's voice and the revelation he's about to receive. All of it is holy. What we're entering into right now is not only a furnace of affliction, but also holy ground. Just like the three Hebrew children had to go into the furnace of affliction. Just like Daniel had to be cast into the lion's den. This is holy ground. He enters the place by the Lord's leading. And once the call is made, once we hear his voice, once we hear his voice calling us, it becomes holy ground. And now, to stay there, listen, Moses needed to understand what God told him. We need to understand. Listen, he had to understand that where he's now standing, he must now remove his shoes. See, this is where we are right now. Yeah. Because what this act is, is the act of full surrender to God. Do you understand the depth of this? It's the Lord who called it holy ground. <laughs> he 
well, you were talking about earlier, Brother Fernando, you said, like, that's not what people are hearing in churches, right? You know, everything's, you know, there's no really any responsibility for us to do anything. That's not true. Right now, something's going to be required of all of us. You cannot come any closer, Moses, until you do something, really. You're going to have to take your shoes off your feet. It really represents full surrender. In order to go further, in order to become the vessel by which prophetic things can be accomplished, now comes this taking off of the shoes and and standing on holy ground. Where the presence of the Lord is, where the revelation of the Lord is, where the insight of the Lord is, where the calling of the Lord is, where the luring of the Lord is, all of that's being worked out right now. It's It's been underway for quite some time. But now, in order to go to the next level, God protects him. Because had he come any closer uh, in that condition, because the shoes really represent that which carries us to all the different places that we go. And he, he's, he's telling them, basically, you're going to have to remove the shoes now. God is calling us right now and telling us, you're going to have to remove your shoes now. Because if you go any closer in this particular position that you're in, you'll die. You cannot carry the glory. You cannot carry the presence. You cannot receive the revelation. You cannot enter into the calling. You cannot become part of this prophetic season, which is all about a holy ground that you're standing on, if you don't remove your shoes. This is grace. It is his grace that led Moses to this part, but it is now his grace that stops him and tells him, you've got something you need to do. That is what this is all about right now. This is all preparation. All of us, if you're spending any kind of time with God, are being inspected and told to remove your shoes. You are entering into the most holy time, I suppose, since the first exodus, since Calvary and the resurrection, since the early church martyrdom, and now 2,000 years later, we're entering into a furnace of affliction, a martyrdom taking up our cross, if you will, and an exodus that's coming as our heavenly Moses is coming to deliver us out of this Egypt we call the world. He's coming to deal with a Pharaoh. We, we know him as the Antichrist, the wicked one, the son of perdition. And God tells Moses, you've come this far and you now know it. Stop. You've got to do something. You've got to take off those shoes. Church. Brothers and sisters, will you obey? Will you remove the shoe like Moses did? Will I? Will you? Time will tell. But this is the work of the Lord. He that has begun a good work in you, verse 2, right? <laughs> That's the, He began the work. Right then we get to verse 5. He will finish it. It's the last thing. It's the full surrender. See, I don't have the words to describe this. If I had a million dictionaries, like I like to say all the time, I couldn't piece together enough words in my own understanding to penetrate those deepest parts of your soul, your spirit, as God is doing with mine. 
It is the inspection of the Spirit, and it's proactive. God calls attention to it, but the choice is yours. Moses, you can't come any further because there's got to be something done now. You've come this far, but now you've got to do the rest. I've drawn your attention to it, but you've got to choose to do it. You have to. Now, this blows all you hyper-grace message of the cross people out of the water. That's just too bad. Because the gospel's never changed. Like Brother Fernando said, you take up your cross. You know, if any man loves his life, he'll lose it. If any man loses his life for my sake, he will find it. There's list after list after list that's given in the New Testament of things that we should no longer do, not for the price of our salvation. No one could pay for his price. We read that in Psalm 49 the other day. Who can redeem his brother's soul? Who can pay the ransom to God? No one. But I thank God that the upright, that is Jesus, had dominion in the morning, that is the resurrection, and he has delivered my soul from the power of the grave and he will receive my soul. Salvation is an established fact. But the fact that we see the second revelation here in the bush, right, post-cross or after the cross, so to speak, Abraham's bush, we now have a, a command from God to remove the shoes. It's God's revelation of what we must do. The question is, will we do what he told us to do? It's his grace. You cannot come any farther. Understand this. Moses' progressive revelation with God was just beginning. He was going to ultimately lead the people out. He was also going to have experience and encounter with God that brought him into the very presence of God. Had he not removed his shoes at this point, all of that would have been null and void. God is calling us to a height, to a level, to an experience with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But what he's asking, and what he's admonishing is now you're coming into these days and this season, your protection and, and really the absolute necessity for, for you is that you must remove your shoes. You will not be able to walk through what I'm about to reveal if you're wearing those shoes. And I'll let the Holy Spirit speak to you about whatever those shoes are. I got my own shoes I got to take off. Uh, it seems like I have a closet full of shoes, man, you know? <laughs> I just got to take them all off, man. There's a lot of shoes, man. So, and I'm not talking about them slip-ons either. I'm talking about those ones you got to untie, those triple knotted shoes, man. You got to untie that thing and take them things off. Praise God. That's a... Uh... That, 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 that was the life of Moses, Brother Marty. It, it was a life of God continually drawing him out. It's what his, it's what his name means, a drawing out. From yeah. the inception of his birth, he was drawn out by Pharaoh's daughter, protected by God. Forty years later, God is drawing him out of Egypt. And then thinking he's beginning a new life now, God draws him out one more time to bring him to the place where we're at today mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on holy ground. That's our life. Everything that we've been going through, everything that we've been through is to bring us to this place where we find ourselves today. On Mount Horeb, God is calling us, will you turn aside? Will we uh, respond to the call? Will we inquire? Because that's what it's going to take to the place where God says, okay, 
You cannot draw near not until you put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is, is holy ground. And really, the life of Moses is our life too. Of God has been trying to draw us time, draw us out time to draw us near to him time and time again will we surrender and and, and that's what powerful uh, what we've been talking about what God requires in this hour amen and and this is where we'll pick it up from tomorrow he now has him removing his shoes and 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 this is a very holy thing right this is between you and your God there's nobody here right this is Moses by himself, with him and his God. You know, he he didn't say, you know, look at look at this guy's feet or that guy's feet. He said, look at your own feet. I've brought you this far, but now you have to do something. And and that and that's what's being asked of us right now. It's where we'll pick it up. Because once the shoes are removed, now God begins to reveal himself in an incredible way in verse 6 when he says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am your, I'm the God of your father. He, he, he starts talking to him that way. And really what he's doing at that point, once the shoes are removed, what is he doing? He returns Moses orthodoxy if you will the fathers the originals hallelujah praise God see what we've seen happen in our generation has brought us to this point right now in many respects you know we said it's God judging but it's not God's judging it's, it's God has removed himself from the protective covering precisely because they have rejected God and, and the inevitable occurs, right? The, the the enemy comes in and executes judgment because God has removed his protective covering and judgment comes. But you see, this act, this, this, this private and most profound moment in Moses' life, once the shoes are removed, then God begins to talk to him about, I'm the real God, right? This is really me. You're Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Lord Jesus Christ, the 12 apostles, the holy saints of old, you know, all them guys who stood on the sure foundation and the true word of God. That's who he returns him to. And that's where we'll pick it up tomorrow because that's where he's returning us to right now. Take off your shoes, Moses. The ground you're standing on is holy ground. Church, we're entering into a season of holy ground. At the end of it, we will be delivered. That's what the Lord said in verse 8, right? I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egypt. He's coming, church. The question is, are you paying attention? Praise God. Can you close this out, Brother Jeremy? My, my. I mean, after a study like this, I mean, the only thing left is to have an altar call. I'm serious because... God is dealing with our hearts. As as God is dealing with your heart today, you that are listening, as he's dealing with our hearts, this is where we come to, church. You that are listening, this is where we come to. This is what it's all about, our journey, to take us to that place 
of surrendering all to him. And it's going to take the act of the will, <laughs> you know, to initiate all of this yeah. and to turn aside and to ask and to investigate and to thoroughly examine what is God saying in this hour. And I believe today, I know God has dealt with your heart. If you want to take time and seek the Lord, find a place where you can cry out to him, where you can say, I need you, Lord. I need you. God is dealing with hearts. I sense it. I sense it in my spirit. As you listen to this, as you listen to these words, God is speaking to you. We love you with all our hearts. And we pray the Lord bless you. Join us tomorrow as we, if the Lord allows us, we continue to study the book of Exodus and to dig a little bit deeper in what God is saying for this hour and what we and what he, what he is asking of us to do. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And as always, keep looking up.